The reading this morning is Hebrews 4, 1 to 16, if you have your Bibles. Um, Wonderful passage, so we look forward to pastor's exposition of it. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did, But the message they heard was of no value to them, because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, Since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That is his precious word. Thanks very much, Patty. If you can keep your Bibles open to Hebrews chapter 4 as we go through this text together, we'll continue our series on life in Hong Kong and how to rest. Let's pray. Lord, once again, we thank you for your living word. We thank you that it's uh, living and active. But Lord, we, as we come to your word, we also come to recognize our unworthiness. Um, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, that we can approach you. And now, Lord, as um, people who are children of God, and we pray that you would send and fill us with your spirit, uh, that we might be built up and know who you are and know who we are in the light of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I read this quote um, as I was preparing for this sermon in a commentary from Lewis Carroll. 
And I thought it was quite appropriate. As Lewis Carroll threw the looking glass, the Red Queen says to Alice, Now here you see, it, ta- it takes all the running you can do to keep in the same place. If you want to get somewhere else, you must run as, uh, twice as fast as that. And I thought to myself, wow, that's life in Hong Kong. You must run as hard as you can to keep in the same place. And if you want to get anywhere, you must run twice as hard as that. We're a city that never sleeps and a people who never rest. Um, Yes, we go on vacations, but often we go with our Blackberries and with our emails. We check it constantly, Uh, partly because we, we rest, partly because we actually want to work harder. We want to sort of recharge our batteries so we can go back on, uh, 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 on, uh, to work on Monday with the renewed vigor. We rest in order to work. In a competitive and demanding city like ours, how do we get rest? The theme of this passage, Hebrews chapter 4, is obvious. It's rest. The word rest happens, occurs 11 times throughout the chapter. But... As you have seen, it's a bit of a difficult passage to interpret because the writer talks about rest in many different ways. So let's go through the text and see uh, what the writer says. The author at first seems to say that the rest is about going into the land of Canaan, the promised land. As you know, after the Exodus, the Israelites wandered through the desert for 40 years, 40 years this is the context in which uh, Psalm 95 is written. The, the author quotes David. Uh, author quotes it in cha- uh, verse three and verse seven. He's saying that they couldn't rest because they couldn't enter into the promised land. God also forbade them from entering because they rebelled. So quoted in verse three from Psalm 95. So I declared on my oath in anger, they shall never enter my rest. But then the writer takes this to a different level. It's not just about going into the promised land because he mentions how they didn't always end up, they didn't always live in the desert. They actually made it to the promised land. They entered into land of Canaan, the land in which they were to make their homes and the land in which they were to rest. He mentions this because apparently they didn't get their rest even after making into the promised land. If the Israelites truly rested, He says, why would David, in Psalm 95, talk about the rest today, how they can enter into the rest today, in David's days? And not, uh, uh, verse 7, he quotes there, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart to the people of his day, David is speaking. And see, the people, it it must be a different kind of rest. So he says uh, in verse 9, that that rest remains for us as well. Verse 9, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The Sabbath rest is a more than, more than physical rest in the seventh day. That's not what the author of Hebrews has been talking about all along. It's a deeper kind of rest. And some think that then maybe this rest is about going to heaven. Going to heaven since the promised land was a symbol of God's kingdom. Verse 11 seems to support that view because it sort of looks forward to the future, right? Let us therefore make every effort to enter into that rest, the rest that is coming in the, in the future. And in some sense, that is true. This rest looks forward to the future rest. When, we, when this rest will fully come, when the kingdom of God fully comes here on earth when Jesus returns again. But... It has to be more than that. It has to be, in some sense, rest that we can enjoy today. 
Because of the emphasis of today in this passage, today you should be able to enter into this rest. David talked about today, how they could enter into this rest today in faith. In fact, in verse 3, the author speaks in present tense. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Just Just as God said, Christians can enter into that rest today. So what is this rest? Well, what's clear in this passage is that it's more than about uh, getting more sleep at night and taking one day out of a break from work. It's a deeper rest. It's a spiritual orientation it, talk, it talks about. This passage isn't uh, just sort of self-help. Self-help is really popular around the world, even in Christian circles, improving your life a little bit, getting a little bit more sleep. This is not about that. It's about radical rebirth, change in life, radical reorientation, of our life. What the author is addressing is the restlessness that we feel in being displaced from the creator order. Us being in rebellion against God, it addresses the fatigue that sets in when we become our own gods and reject God's rule, live in harmony with God and his rule. It's about the exhaustion that comes in um, from living our lives our own way. It's a deeper, it talks about deeper spiritual rest of living in the right relationship with God, with the world, and with, with, each, with each other. In fact, this is what the Sabbath rest pointed to all along. The author points out in verse 4 that God rested on the Sabbath day, seventh day. That's one of the reasons why we're commanded to rest as God's good creation. You are God's creation. You are supposed to rest as God rested on the seventh day. But let's explore a little bit more about what that actually means for us. Remember, God created the world in five days, and then on the sixth day, God created people. And God rested on the seventh day, and the people rested with him. In effect, then, this was the first command given to the people who were just created. It's to rest. It's to enjoy. All the good things that God has created, the right relationship between God and the creation and us with God and and, and, uh, men and women, the harmony there, the goodness we were supposed to enjoy. That's what that rest is about. Uh, The... uh, um, Enjoy being in that right relationship. Take in the, the, the beauty and the goodness and wonder of the world that he's created. And that Sabbath rest is supposed to be about enjoying that right relationship with God. The, uh, the theologians talk about this is the peace. This is the shalom peace, the wholeness in the world. Many commentators also note that in Genesis chapter 1, if you look at it, it's interesting that the first six days have a definite beginning and an end. It says there was morning and there was evening. Beginning and the end to each day, except actually for the seventh day. Seventh day is open-ended. The commentators suggest that the rest must be actually not limited to the location and point in time. Then God's rest must be a present reality to which we can enter into now. That right relationship with God can be entered into today. This is what the Hebrews author is talking about. Today enter into that rest. If we come in faith and if we obey him, we can enter into that right relationship with God today. The fullness of that rest will not come until Jesus comes back. 
But we can enjoy the measure of that rest that has begun with Jesus today. And that's what the writer of Hebrews wants us to enjoy. That shalom relationship with God. Living under the lordship of God himself who has created this whole world and who, who sustains it and gives it its future. He is the creator. And we are supposed to be in this creator, creation, creature relationship, enjoying the goodness of being in that relationship. And this is why it makes sense then of why the unbelief and disobedience disqualify people from being in that rest. Because it breaks our relationship with God. Take a look at what happens to the Israelites in this text. They heard the good news, verse 2, but they did not believe. The message that they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. Of course, it's easy for us to say um, that we believe. But once again, belief is not just about knowing things or intellectual assent. It's the, it has to move us into obedience. In fact, the next time that he speaks of sort of why we were disqualified, it's not unbelief. It's actually disobedience. That's in verse 6 and verse 11. Those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. You see, they heard the message. They knew it. But they did not trust it, and so therefore they did not obey it. And we know the, the story of what happened to the Israelites after the Exodus. They come out, and the first thing that they do is they make an uh, uh, image of, of a golden calf and worship it. Uh, instead of trusting God through the wilderness, they complain and grumbled all the way through. Instead of trusting God to provide for them daily uh, through manna as God had promised, they gathered more than what they needed each day and they experienced the food going rotting. And it doesn't get any better when they enter into the land of Canaan. The worship of idols, unbelief and disobedience continue. And as a result, they are banished from the promised land in the end by the Assyrians first and then the Babylonians next. They're banished from it and they're also banished from, some are banished from the eternal rest promised in the future. Once again, instead of taking our faith for granted, it's time to examine ourselves. if, If we are constantly feeling tired, not just physically, but spiritually. If you're experiencing that sort of restlessness that, 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 that's in your soul, in your mind, and you can't rest even as you rest physically, could it be that we have the same problem of distrust, unbelief, and disobedience being in, not in the right relationship with God? The first question we should, we should ask is whether we're forging our own path or following God with our life? Are we content being the created creatures who's entrusted with the responsibility for a time? Or do we want to be our own masters, making our own rules, living our lives our own way? From Adam and Eve, we've all fallen into this sin, rebelled against God to try to forge our own path. Maybe it's the individualism um, in our culture. And we're no longer satisfied by sort of receiving our worth and identity from the community, are we? I mean, before, 
a long time ago, if you think about that. You know, it was, uh, people received their identity from the community. Um, they, you were somebody's son or daughter, and that was who you were. You were in some certain class or caste system, and that's who you were. And your identity was defined by the people around you. But now, we become intensely individualistic, and therefore, we strive very hard to make a name for ourselves. We strive very hard to become someone all the time. That has become the norm. And this is because we don't have an identity apart from what we make uh, ourselves. So we have to carry our busyness with us everywhere we go. We take our laptops and Blackberries and sense of importance. Because without it, we're not important. Without what we achieve, without producing things on our own, we're not important. We're not anyone. And I think this is, you become most acutely aware of this when you rest, when you don't have things to do. Because uh, some of you have lost jobs. Um, and uh, when you have lost jobs, or when you have extended time of rest, we forget that we're created uh, creatures loved by God, children of God, and we feel restless when we're resting. We can't stand the downtime, the rest time, because our identity is so tied to what we can make and what we can achieve. So we aren't content to enjoy the world and being children of God that we are to receive our value from God alone. So we wrongly rest on Sundays. We rest wrongly on Sundays. Um, we rest so that we can work harder on Mondays, so that we can achieve more, we can be more productive as we go back to work. You see, that's not rest. That's forging our own identity, that our own path. It's an act of rebellion, and that's unrest still. It's a rejection of our creatureliness and God's goodness. So the writer warns us, to make every effort to enter into that rest. In verse 11, so we won't be disqualified, we must hear this news, combine it with faith, and obey. And this is, uh, this is a must, even if we want to rest physically, uh, even if we're uh, to enjoy our physical rest. Without having this spiritual rest in place, we won't be able to really rest um, when we rest physically. But in a typical sort of biblical fashion, uh, this exhortation comes with a warning as well. So strive, but then it also says you can't do this on your own. Take a look at what what the passage uh, says about the role of God's word uh, in verses 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from his sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. 
word, this is often quoted very positively, but actually it's a word of judgment. It says word of God is sharp and it divides our soul and spirit. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. In other words, God's word, when it comes, it will convict us of our sins and it will reveal to us of our unworthiness. And hiding from his word is futile as Adam and Eve trying to hide behind the fig tree. After they sinned, everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know, we often long for words of comfort um, and love from God, and God, in his grace, gives them to us. But when, when, the, when the word of God first comes, the first thing that we often feel is terror and fear because we realize that we're sinners in front of God. And our unbelief and disobedience is laid bare in front of his word. And once again, I want to say, this is good news. This is good news that the, the word of God convicts us of our sins because it frees us from trying to be religious, as Tim Keller often says. It shows us that our, we can't restore this relationship with God again by our own efforts. It can't be done. Our hard work to be good, our hard work to be going to church and being generous, uh, being disciplined to empty ourselves of evil desires from ourselves, to be holy, to be charitable, all of that effort will not be enough. It's what the God's word says, and it's how often the Spirit convicts us. It's not enough. It's what uh, Pastor Tim Keller often says, damnable good works. Good works that makes you damned. Because you think you can have it, but you can't have it on your own. It frees us from trying to be good in that way. Then where do we go? Where can we have this rest? Well, thankfully, this chapter continues to verse 14 and on. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. Verse 14. If the Israelites in the desert could be characterized as disobedient, Jesus, on the other hand, is obedient. He was tempted in every way but did not sin. He enjoyed that rest of being in the right relationship with God throughout his life. But then he entered the heavenly rest as well. And he intercedes for us on our behalf. He is our Sabbath rest. For through him do we find the right relationship with God, with the creation and with each other. Only through him do we see our holiness, do we see God's holiness, but also God's infinite love for us. Only in him can we be honest and be laid laid bare in front of him in our sinfulness and be loved and saved. He is the way back to the restored relationship with God. This is why Jesus, when he comes, says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In him is our spiritual rest. And if we have this spiritual rest in place, we will rest differently. We will be able to rest when we take time off, not worry about our future, not worry about tomorrow, not worry about what we will have to do on Monday. We can rest. 
because God is in control of all of that. We can actually work differently. We can trust him with our life, with our work as well, because we don't work to sustain the present, to ensure and secure the future anymore. We work because it's a way of praising God and it's a way of giving thanks to God. Our work will have that tinge of Sabbath rest with us. And when we go back to, on Sundays, uh, Mondays to our workplace, we can take that Sabbath rest with us. And I'm sorry uh, that you've heard this example before. I think this is, I'm sorry, I think this is the fourth time in this church where this example comes up. But it's such a great example um, that I can't do any better than this. It's the movie Chariots of Fire. Uh, Harold Abraham quote, uh, Harold Abraham uh, in that movie is a 100 meter gold medalist. I mean, it's a true, based on true story, so it's a real character. But in this movie, he says this about himself. He says to a friend, you're brave and compassionate and kind, a content man. That's your secret, contentment. I'm 24 and I've never known it. I've, I'm forever in pursuit and I don't even know what I'm chasing. Before he enters the final heat, he says, I'll raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. But will I? This is why he works. He needs to justify his existence. He needs to justify his work. He needs an identity, and his achievements are his identity. That's why he works. That's why he strives and works so hard, because achievements are who he is. And what a pressure that is. But then, on the other hand, there's the Christian runner in the movie, another gold medalist, and uh, uh, Eric Little. This is what he says about why he runs. I believe God made me for a purpose, and he, he has made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. He's a created being loved by God. His identity is derived from God himself. And he says, he runs because God made me fast. And when I run, I feel God's pleasure. His work becomes a way of giving praise and thanksgiving back to God because it brings pleasure to him. And I feel similarly about my work at times. I preached last week's sermon um, on not worrying. I had to tell myself not to worry, but to trust in God's goodness. I preached this sermon I have to remind myself that my work is not a way for me to earn my keeps, justify my pay, and you pay me very well, thank you, (laughs) to ensure self-importance, securing a future, sustaining a family, or the core of my identity. It's not. It's none of those things. I work because God has given me the gospel. God has saved me. He has shaped my mind and has given me the opportunities to do this work. And when I remind myself that of this, then it becomes a work of praise and thanksgiving. And I, I, I hope you, uh, that you, your work will be transformed as that. How do we get rest in this city? We have to first remember that God is our creator, that he is our savior, that in him is a restored relationship and as we remember, we can trust and obey him. And partly, this obedience is uh, taking, uh, uh, taking God's command seriously to rest seriously. So rest. 
Take the time to time out to remember who God is. God's goodness, that you are his creation, that you are adopted as his children, that he will take care of you. And that's what we do on Sundays. We come that to remember that we are God's good creation, that we have been saved through Christ, and we give we remember who God is and we rest in this because we're looking to God and not to ourselves. But once a week isn't enough in Hong Kong, especially in in this place of strife. We have to, this is why we ask you to, uh, the the Bible asks you to, to, to take the Bible out and remember who he is each day. Take the Bible out and read it. Find out who he is, his goodness. That he is God, that you are not. That he is good, that he will take care of you. Remember that. That's what being still and knowing God means. And we must do that each day. And to pray. Because really, what prayer is, is saying that I'm not my own God. I can't do my own things and create my future myself. But God is God. I need to go to him. It's an ultimate act of dependence to pray. Because you're asking You're coming to him and saying that you are my creator. You are my sustainer. Remember that God is God, that God is good, that God has saved you, that you are God's good creation, beloved children of God through Christ. And come to him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our good God, that you have created us, that you sustain us, that you have saved us, you have ensured our future for us. Lord, we confess our strife, we confess our um, longing to be our own gods, make a name for ourselves, and rejecting the, the rule, the created rules that you've given us. Lord, we come to you once again now. Help us to remember that you are God and we are not. Help us to remember your goodness. Help us to remember the grace that you have shown through Christ. Help us to come to you each day. And help us to rest deeply today and, as the, uh, and throughout this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.